I think if we had to guess, if we had to, if we had to guess the kind of people that God's blessing pours out for, I have a feeling that we would pick the same kinds of people uh, over and over. We would probably guess those folks who are strong and resolute and confident, the people who are passionate, right? The kinds of people who uh, God chooses to bless must be those who have been put into some kind of leadership. They certainly seem to have the greatest impact on the world. In fact, it was only a few months ago that so many people, including Christian leaders, started calling the President of the United States the divinely chosen ruler of the world, the free world. And that impulse really isn't so new. In fact, since we've had a concept of God, people have taken authority over other people by claiming a divine blessing for their leadership and their reign. Many of those rulers even claim to be gods themselves, sent for the purpose of ruling whatever tribe or whatever kingdom or empire or nation that they were ruling over. And it makes sense, right? It does. It makes sense. If God is the head of all things, if God holds all power, the originator of all life, the ruler of all nations, the one who holds the power over life and of death, then it makes sense that the hierarchy would continue down to the rest of us in that way. God is all-powerful, and the powerful people must be the closest to God. And then all of us, who are without immense power, are beholden to the divine authority held within the divinely ordained monarch or emperor or president or whatever the case may be. Effectively, most of human history has taught us to trust the ruler, to trust the emperor, to trust the king, or to trust the elected politician because their power and influence puts them closer to God. And that is an incredibly hard habit to break, but it is one that needs to be broken. And the passage from Matthew's fifth chapter that Ken read for us this morning gives us a new way to look at how God pours out blessing and to whom. Again, if we just had to guess who was blessed by God, it would be really tempting to look at the privileged, the wealthy, the influential, and the powerful people in the world. Uh, it would be really easy to look towards the people having articles written up about them in the news. It would be easy to look towards the people who've been able to garner enough popularity and positive will in the community to be voted into positions of power and privilege. Others of us might be tempted towards the people who just seem to have things go their way, Right? There's coaches all over this country uh, praying words of gratitude to God for a winning season, right? If that is the blessing of God. The blessing of God seems to pour out for people who have been accepted to the best schools, who got the full ride, the people who've made tons of money following their passion. It's tempting to think that the people who are blessed are the ones who have everything going right for them. But that's not what Jesus' sermon to his disciples on the side of a mountain seems to indicate. 
at all. So just to put the whole conversation into context, Jesus has been traveling around, going through towns, calling followers from their uh, really great jobs as fishermen and tax collectors to help him in his divine work. His work isn't about garnering power and strength. It isn't about amassing any wealth or power. Jesus seems to go to the fringes of communities, to the people who are sick, the people who are unclean, the people who are poor, and he heals them and reintroduces them to the community. That's it. He just heals people, he casts out demons, and he moves to the next person who needs help. That's Jesus' ministry. And then when a large group of people forms around him because they need a healing touch, Jesus walks to the top of a mountain to reflect on faithfulness with his closest friends. He brings his disciples to the top of the mountain. He sits down with them as they look out at a crowd of people and teaches them about faithfulness and blessing. And the beginning of this, which we call the Sermon on the Mount, is just a reflection, naming the people who have been blessed by God. He doesn't name anyone in power. He doesn't name the qualities and characteristics of spiritual giants who have a consistently optimistic outlook on the world. He names the poor in spirit. He names the ones who are hopeless. He names the ones who have nothing to give. And then says that God pours out to them, offering the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus doesn't name the champions of faith who can find joy and optimism in the midst of sorrow and pain. God's blessing is for the ones who grieve over their own suffering because of how they wish things could be. And for those who mourn the suffering of others because they're some of the few who understand what it's like to experience true pain. And Jesus tells us that God pours out a blessing of comfort for those who suffer. He doesn't name the strong ones who can command a room. God's blessing is for the ones who live with humility and meekness, stepping lightly in the world, even letting others pass them by. Jesus tells us that these people are the ones who will inherit the earth. Jesus doesn't name the righteous. God's blessing comes for those who aren't even really sure what they believe, but who hunger and who thirst for clarity in their faith, wrestling with doubt and angst and faithfulness their whole lives. Jesus tells us that these people who are always searching and always yearning will be satisfied. 
Jesus doesn't name the people who are on a crusade to get everyone in line about their own theological ethics. God's blessing comes for those who can see their own shortcomings and their own need for mercy, and because of that, offer mercy and compassion to everybody they encounter. They're the ones who will be blessed by the mercy of God. He doesn't name the ones who are perfectly pure. God's blessing comes to those of us who are a little worn out, a little world-weary, but who've somehow maintained some inner peace and love. These people with pure hearts are the ones who will be able to see God. Jesus doesn't name all of the great warriors or even all of the great kings who have even been named in scripture, who've won battles and fought wars. God's blessings come for the people who somehow are able to maintain a sense of peace in this chaotic and violent world. Their radical sense of calm changes the world around them. And because of that simple presence, Jesus tells us they are God's children. Jesus saves the last image for all of us who look at the scope of the work that's laid out for us. It's not always easy. It's not always glamorous. In fact, it usually isn't. It's messy. It requires a lot. It requires sacrifice and a strange ordering of priorities. Pursuing God's kingdom comes with its share of criticism and eye rolls, even and especially from other people who claim the same faith. Even that comes with a blessing from God. And just as we start to read through these Beatitudes and we start to feel left out of the story, just when it starts to seem too big for us, Jesus turns his direction directly to us and says this, Blessed are you. When people insult you, and harass you, and speak all kinds of bad and false things about you all because of me. Be full of joy. Be glad, because you have a great reward in heaven. In the same way, people harassed the prophets who came before you. It's really a simple list. But it's a list that should upend our ideas about God's blessing and God's favor. It should upend our ideas about power and about privilege. Because as it turns out, God has no blessing for people in power, at least not because of their power. The power that people often hold, unfortunately, is power over one another. It happens in toxic romantic relationships. It happens in toxic friendships. It happens in toxic social structures. It happens in toxic and corrupt politics. And that, that sense of power over another person or another group of people has been one of the defining qualities of power in the church and in our politics on a global scale. Which is why the Beatitudes, this list of blessings, is so important for us. Because they offer us a new window into the kind of power that God wields and the kind of power God pours out into the world. 
under God. The people who are meant to rule, the ones who will rule in the kingdom of God, are the ones who prioritize the well-being of others first, without trying to gain their own power or influence. It's really just that simple. God's blessing is for those who struggle. God's blessing is for those who likely will never be in any spotlight. God's blessing is for those who are often left out or even kicked out of communities because of their beliefs and their faith or their identity. God's blessing is for the ones who struggle to trust that God is there at all, but who are willing to search. God's blessing is for the ones who've sacrificed their lives for the sake of a dream that has still not yet been realized. We're all people, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of the content of their bank account, regardless of their educational background or their employment status or their citizenship, or their diagnosis, where they can be given a tangible opportunity to flourish as equal siblings with one another. A dream has been alive for a long time, and it is still alive today, and we see glimpses of it. The thin places of the world where heaven and earth meet, every day we see small miracles pointing towards this beloved community. And one day we will celebrate together in this abundant place, receiving together the blessings of God. May it be so, and may it be so in our lifetime. Amen.